0: Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, We're in the book of Ezekiel part 4. Let's begin in prayer. Lord, we again honor you with our presence. Lord, we ask that, uh, Lord, you allow us to um, remove the day, Lord, and the troubles and trials and the concerns of the day, that we might focus on what you have in your word for us this evening. Lord, that we want not just knowledge, not just understanding, but we want, we desire wisdom and application. And so, Lord, we thank you for the honor and the privilege of going into your word tonight, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for those that are here, those that are on their way, couldn't make it, Lord, or those that are listening via podcast. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher tonight. You guide us into thought and response, question, whatever is needed tonight. And so we also uh, just pray for things that are going on over in Israel Lord we just pray for the peace of Jerusalem as you command us to do. So in this we just give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, I put this map up here only because Diego's here. <laughs> but since Diego's here I will use it. That, this is Israel. And what we're going to be talking about tonight are the kingdoms of Oman, Moab, kingdom of Edom, uh, the Philistine kingdom up here, and then uh, Tyre and Sidon, which is up here, which is present-day Lebanon. So this here would be the northern kingdom. This is the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was taken in captivity by the Assyrians. And about uh, 100 and some years later... Judah was taken over here into Babylonian captivity, and this is where Ezekiel is writing from. But tonight, we're going to change gears a little bit, because we've been in, I put on your outline there, part one, the commission of, of Ezekiel, that's what we talked about the first week, how God you know, called him. And then part two is where we've been in the last couple of weeks, and it's about the judgment on Judah, and it's a series of signs. That God gives and the Holy Spirit gives to Ezekiel uh, concerning uh, uh, the judgment of Judah. In other words, meaning Judah, this is why you are not on, not on the land. Judah, this is why uh, uh, you're in the predicament that you're in. Judah, this is what's going on in your in your life. You know why you're living over here. Uh, so it's a series of signs uh, that he will be ministering to. Uh, the people of Judah who are in Babylon they're not back here yet and so I'm not going to read all of those but what we got the last couple of weeks is you got the basic idea of what the signs are you know in, you know how he says here's a sign to you and its' judgment on them bring judgment a lot of it is from 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 here to verse 24. To chapter 24, it's kind of repetitive, but it's only repetitive in that it's calling out the sins of Judah. And then he said, This is what you're going to say to them. So for, for 23 chapters there, he's going on about the sins of Judah. And he's giving them signs uh, as to how he's to say this to them. So uh, then what we're going to deal with tonight is part three judgment to the Gentiles. Because in chapter 25 he changes gears and now he's going to talk about the Gentile kingdoms that uh, he's going to also be speaking to these people uh, uh, in, in remnant form. But he's just more so just highlighting and telling him not so much that you're going to go to them but this is what I'm going to do to these kingdoms. Now Gentiles means others. Others that aren't Jewish, okay, There aren't Israelites. So any nation would be a Gentile that's not part of uh, Israel. So, we're going to be talking again about Haman, which is just east of present-day Jordan. Uh, Moab, which is a little bit below uh, Jordan. Edom, which is kind of out in the desert area. Uh, the Philistines, which is over here, they were, they were a uh, shipping community and then up here, another trade and commerce city, uh, Tyre and Sidon, which is up in Lebanon. Um, make it long story short, God's going to be bringing judgment on them for the things that they did to Israel and Judah over the years. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. He's saying, he's saying, I is as, as I'm as I'm bringing judgment on Judah, I am not going to forget what the kingdom of Ammon did, or Moab, or Edom, or the the Philistines, or or what they did up in uh, Phoenicia. This was called Phoenicia back in those days. It's uh, uh, Lebanon today. So that's kind of what we're going to be dealing with tonight. How far we get, we'll see. Uh, And then part four, which I want to spend a couple weeks with, um, is the restoration of Israel. And that's going to be chapters 33 to 48. So you can kind of see a pattern here. And the pattern is like with all of the prophets, first they're called and they're commissioned. God says, I'm calling you to go and then then it's then this is what you're going to tell them. And he gives it to them in a series of either visions or dreams, stories, parables, this is what you're going to say to the people and this is why you're going to say it. and then it's just what people groups he's going to, the, the prophet is going to be speaking to, right? So that's the nuts and bolts of Ezekiel. And then the back part of Ezekiel is how he's going to say, yeah, even though you messed up, even though I took you off the land, we still have a covenant relationship, and I'm going to bring you back on the land. And some of the things that he says about it are going to be uh, happening in their near future, when it was first delivered, that you're going to come back to the land. Some of it actually pertains to stuff that's happened in our lifetime. You know, returning to the land and stuff like that. We'll get we'll get into a lot of that stuff next week, but that's kind of where we are. So I wanted a visual there, so you can kind of see what he's talking about, and then we'll go into exactly who these people are. Cause it's just six, eight verses for each one of these these countries, okay? But it's 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 judgment. Uh, so there's a pattern there when you when you read the prophets. There's a pattern there's usually God, God displays who he is, his power. Like, for example, Moses, the burning bush. Mm-hmm. And then he, then he commissions him, he calls him, and then he tells him what he's going to do. And then he sends him out to do it. Right? And so it's kind of the same thing with Ezekiel. So, part three, judgment on the Gentiles, would be in chapter 25. Any questions about anything I just said? Because we're going to go back over it. So... So again, all the judgment tonight that we're talking about is on the Gentiles, the countries around uh, Israel. So chapter 25, verse 1 to 7. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the sons of Ammon. Again, this is prose. This is, this is, this is flowing language. Set your face, too. It means... You know, your, your, your words, your direction is going to be towards them. It's, it's, it's literary, uh, criticism on, on the passage. You know, it's just, it's just kind of a, a poetic way of saying, uh, say this or this is what's going to be happening. So again, verse one. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face toward the sons of Ammon and prophesy against them. So in other words, when it says prophesy against them, he's going to be speaking God's words against the nation, right? That's what a prophet does. Prophet doesn't make things up. Prophet says, thus saith the Lord. And prophets, especially the latter day, they're just quoting what is already in Scripture. Okay? So, verse 3. And say to the sons of Ammon, which means the children of, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says Lord God, because you said, Aha! "...against my sanctuary when it was profaned, and against the land of Israel when it was made desolate, and against the house of Judah when they went into exile. Therefore, behold, I am going to give you to the sons of the east for a possession. and They will set their encampments among you and make their dwellings among you. They will eat your fruit and drink your milk. I shall make Rabbah a pasture for camels." And the sons of Ammon, a resting place for flocks, thus you will know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, because you have clapped your hands and stamped your feet, rejoiced with all the scorn of your soul against the land of Israel. Therefore, behold, I have stretched out my hand against you, and I shall give you for spoil to the nations. I shall cut you off from the peoples and make you perish from the lands. I shall destroy you. Thus, you will know that I am the Lord. Boom. So, let's look at it critically. What's the context? Who is he talking to? The
1: Gentiles. Huh? Gentiles. The
0: Gentiles, and more specifically, the
1: Ammonites.
0: These people that live up here sons of Amon way back when That's what back in the day they would generally be known after who founded that particular area these people were, for the most part were nomadic and they would travel around different places and then they would settle in small little kingdoms and, and, and things and so uh, there was a fellow once upon, once upon a time his name was Amon and uh, uh, he lived in this area and so the people that came after him settled in this area but they were just kind of nomadic they were all over here but uh, so he's speaking to those people, that specific area. Uh, what else is revealed in the text? What is revealed about what is he saying? What is God revealing about Himself? What is there anything that we glean from this as a church? What do we glean from it personally? So, again, when you read a text, there are seven verses. There, what's our takeaway?
1: So, that uh, God's not happy with uh, people who are uh, unhappy with Israel, or enemy toward, or joyful at their uh, uh, suffering.
0: Yeah. God is saying, God is saying, because you were happy because my people were taken off the land, you know, you didn't have compassion... I'm going to what? I'm judging you for this. Right? What else? See, God takes it personal. Mm -hmm. He says, you said, Aha! against my what? Sanctuary. My sanctuary. Where the presence of God was at. Mm -hmm. Where where God dwelled. You said, Aha! Like, no big deal. The, The temple's torn apart. Right. So, what does this say about God? When God says in other passages, "I'm a I'm a zealous God" or "I'm a jealous God," right? So again, you know, where's our understanding now of 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 God that uh, you know God is aware of what's going on, right? So partly for us. What's our takeaway, there's there's, there's more here, but part of that takeaway is, if we're going through something in the churches, his church is being persecuted, God isn't sitting sitting idly by and saying, oh, well, nothing's going to happen. Right? Mm -hmm. God's no respecter of persons. If if he loved Israel, even though in the midst of their sins they did what they did and he's going to restore them and now he's angry at those countries that, that treated them badly, or laughed at them, or mocked them. about the church? See, so sometimes we don't put it, drop it into those that context. You see, because Scripture is for then, it was for those that came before us, it's for us today, and it's for those that come after us. So how do we use this? How do we interpret this? How do we move forward with this? Because, again, God chose to put this in, in here. So He wants us to know so it's up to us to glean, to unpack, to mine it for, for what's in there. Um, what is he going to do to them?
1: They're not going to be a nation anymore.
0: Yeah, That's you easy cannot easy. book a flight to Amman. No. <laughs> I don't care what JetBlue says, you cannot go to Amman. Mm. You can,
1: you can jet- go to the remnants. They don't get representation in the United Nations. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, in other words, you're, you're, you're just, you're just going to go back to being nomads.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's people that could trace their heritage back to that, but
1: they're, they're camel jockeys <clears throat> today. Did they, did they occupy the land? Is that part of the reason they were happy about the Israelites being... Uh, no, they
0: were just... They were just mocking from the scriptures. Is they were just mocking what was going on. Later, these here are more guilty of the way they actually treated them. And then what the people up here actually wanted to do down here. These guys were just laughing. These guys were just,
1: ha <laughs> ha you know, look at that.
0: In other words, th- think about it this way. Scripture says Jesus is seated Where? Okay, but when Stephen is stoned He stood up. He stood up. What made him stand up? We talked about that when we were you know, God's active involved and sees the persecution, sees what's going on. You know, active standing is an active position. You know, and one of the things we brought out, what was he doing standing out? And one of the things was he was welcoming him to heaven because he was he was gonna die but you know you know, God sees what's going on and so when we feel that sometimes uh, persecution against the church which is going on today and it's magnifying and it's getting worse God sees you know and the guilty will not go unpunished you know and so but the same way we have to realize that the church could sometimes find itself in Babylon in a sense Spiritually. Because we're not doing what we should be doing. But God will always allow us to return and do what it is we're supposed to do. Okay? Uh, Yeah. Um,
1: I think he also uses them as an example. Because he says that, you know, he takes everything from them. Mm -hmm. But that he will destroy them and, you know, they'll, they'll be the spoils of other lands. But so that he will, know, so that they will
0: know he is. God. He is the Lord. Who's forcing the action?
1: God.
0: God. So, who 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 directs the action from "Let there be light" onward to the edge of time? It's God. It's not humanity. It's God. Right? We're following God. Jesus said, "Come, follow me." He didn't say, come and we'll vote in what direction you want to go. It's a kingdom, right? That, that gives directives, and we're to follow those directives. Uh, he says, I've stretched out my hand against you. You, you hear this a lot, you know, uh, about the hand. It's a metaphor for his strength his power for him doing something. So when it says, you know, my right hand, you know, or my left hand, you know, he's talking about power, strength, doing something, my hand. It's it's called uh, prose as opposed to poetry, which we're going to get into in a, in a little bit. I'll, I'll explain the difference between prose and poetry. Prose is written more like block, like the way it's written on your pages. Poetry is indented, and it's a little bit differently, so you know it's different. I'll point it out. In a second, so God's doing this for who? Yeah, His people, because again, there's a covenant relationship, right? You know, and even again, what do we take away from this as a church? As you know, we're safe, you know, through through confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our repentance, but we're still going to mess up, right? And so God says, "If you return to me, that I will restore." Right. Well, it's the same thing with them. If you return to me and you humble yourselves, I will be restore. So the themes are the same. That's why I say, Old Testament, New Testament, no different. It's just the Old Testament was pulled through the cross. Now everything is through Jesus, right? But the actions of God, the motivation of God, is still the same, right? Thoughts, questions? Seven verses, there's a lot to mine out of that. You can just sit there and pull a lot. You know, Again, when you read scriptures, who is God? What is he doing? Where are the people and where am I in relationship to what God is doing? How do I relate to it? Okay. So now we'll go to... Uh, I said there were conclusions concerning Yahweh, meaning God, can be taken from this passage. And I think I said it. He's in control. He's honoring his covenant. He's taking care of his people. But at the same time, he's judging his people. God is a just God. He does not let people off the hook. Right? Once you're on the hook, you're on the hook.
1: So,
0: so now go to verse 8 to 11. Just these verses here, He's going to be speaking to Moab. People that lived down there. Let's see what he has to say about Moab. Thus says the Lord God. Now notice how he refers to himself. Not just as Lord, not just as God, but Lord God. Okay? This means this is a title. This is the name the name that is above all names. Not just God. The idea is Lord is now the one that you answer to. Right? Lord is the one who who provides, who gives. You know, God is the one who creates, makes, but it is Lord who now distributes. And so his title is Lord God. Because Moab and Seir that's just a city in Moab. Say Behold, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Now, boom, hold it right there. How does God see his people? Like everybody else? No. Why? We're chosen. Huh? Why? The, it is, uh, it's God's people. They're God's people? You're God's people. And what does that mean?
1: They have to obey his commandment and behave in a way differently from the other nations. Yeah, and
0: and so uh, when they didn't uphold their end of the covenant, he's judging them for it, but it doesn't change the fact that they're still his people. You know, oh Israel, how long will I strive with you? Right? Right? Again, now drop it in terms of the church. Have we always acted the way we're supposed to? See? Behold, house of Judah is like... Because they said the house of Judah is like all the nations. So this doesn't mean better than. This means people that are interacting with God. You know? And so that that's a difference. As opposed to... Um, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about race relations and different things like that. God does not identify us, per se, by race. By by race, He identifies us by saved and unsaved. Mm-hmm. Either you saved or you're not saved. We're all the same. Either you saved or you're not saved. Therefore, verse 9, behold, I am going to devise, I'm going to deprive the flank of Moab of its cities, of its cities which are off its frontiers, the glory of the land Beth, Jezmoth, Bel, Mion, and Kerathiam, that's just cities that were there along the trade route. I will give it for a possession along with the sons of Ammon to the sons of the east and the sons of Ammon may not be remembered among the nations thus I will execute judgments on Moab and they will know that I am the Lord so where is Moab today? Nowhere. same place Ammon is mm-hmm. there's just remnant but there's really nothing out there that's Really nothing of any uh, of any use, any significance. even uh, uh, yeah oh, this is uh, even present day Jordan. there's not a lot going on in Jordan. He's not dealing with Jordan in this particular passage, but he's dealing with them right in here. Jordanians go on a lot later. Uh, let's see. So the context of the passage. Judgment on Moab. And uh, uh, why? Because Moab said, behold, the house of Judah is like all the nations. No, we're, we're not like all the nations. As a Christian, you are not like all other people. You are saved. You know, when he talks about We are a people for his own possession. Right? We are a people for his own possession. Two places in the Bible God says we're peculiar people. He says it in the Old Testament. And the word peculiar as it's translated from Hebrew means something that's special to you. Something that you want everyone to see. Almost like you know that little baseball trophy that you won when you were in the third grade. You know you want everybody to see. So it's got the place on the shelf, right? Kind of thing. So peculiar means it's something that's it's special to you. It's something that you 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 want people to see. In the New Testament, and it's in, um, I believe it's First Peter, and I think it's in Revelation, where it says you are a peculiar people for God's own possession. The peculiar there, as it's translated from Greek, means something that you paid a price for. You following this? Old Testament, they were God's people, but the cross hadn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Once the cross happens, now the people that are God's are what? He paid the price for our sins. sins. So that same word peculiar is different translated from Hebrew as it is from Greek. It means now you purchased it, bought it, it's yours. And you still want to, you know, people know who they are. So that's why when he says we're a city, we're supposed to be a city on the hill with the salt of the earth. That's what we're supposed to be. And God's expecting that of us. It's like our children, right? We want our children to represent us well, represent the family well. And you know because you're you're a branch off the tree, okay. Well, same way with us as as Christians as believers, right? Thoughts, questions.
1: So the Moabites and another another way of saying it, they were saying, "Yeah, look at those people; they're no better than us." Yeah, you know, there's nothing special about them.
0: Right, right. Okay. And see, in in God's eyes, what's special is? that you have to think of in terms of where we are today as, as, as Christians my son died on the cross God died on the cross for us paid the price for us and so now to be little and say hey, just like everybody else there's, anybody can get to heaven there's many roads that lead to heaven mm-hmm. see that negates the cross that negates the suffering that negates the sacrifice and so, and so to say that that's like these people saying well you just like everybody else hey we're all the same so by saying that they're also saying their God is nothing yeah yeah so you know uh, understand your understanding of God that God created all things and you know you know the story of job when job starts complaining about him his circumstance and this and that and then all of a sudden God goes into his resume well where were you when I did this where were you and right away job wants to okay I don't know. I'm good, God. Me and you. Right? But, you know, as God said, I did all of this. Salvation is not something we thought of. God thought of it. God gave it to us. It is that free gift. So, again, this is what I love about the Old Testament because a lot of times you, you get more into the nature of God and circumstances and why he judges and, and, and how he sees what causes him to judge. Right? And it's not just those big sins we think, well, I didn't kill nobody. No, but, no, but you laughed when my people were taken. You laughed when my holy mountain, my temple was destroyed. You showed no remorse for anything that was going on. You you didn't care. You know, that's... God judges those kind of things. By the way, this story is also in Obadiah. So when you read uh, Obadiah, one of the minor prophets, uh, this this particular uh, passage is, is in there, and especially the one I'm going to talk about next, Edom. Uh, Obadiah goes into a little bit of what's going on in here and over here, but he says a lot about Edom, so we're going to talk about Edom. Now, unless you have any questions on Moab. Okay. Um, by the way, you know when you, when God says, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove you from, from uh, uh, they, they won't know who you are. You know, if you do a search, a Google search, and you put in the word Moab, you know what comes up? Utah. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> line after line after line after line, Moab, Utah. Yeah, you got you got you got to go a couple pages over before you find anything out about biblical Moab.
1: What if the people of Moab or Edom, you know, and realized that they were wrong? Could have there have been
0: any forgiveness? Yes. Always. Mm -hmm. so when we say when the prophet comes and he says you are in this situation because of what you did over here Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not all of them are going to go back Mm -hmm. you know the ones whose heart are torn are the ones who realize that we have to come back here See, there was a difference. People that stayed over here, by the time the seven years in captivity was up, they kind of were beginning to assimilate into Babylon. And they were kind of like, say, well, it's not so bad over here. But the problem with that theologically is, if you're uh, God's chosen people, you're supposed to be on the land. So when you don't go on the land that God has given you, it's not going to turn out good. But, if you're willing to repent and go back, yeah. So even there might, who knows, people in here or whatever that made that trek back. Because the thing about these people here, they're all Semites. They're all basically the same people as Jews. They're Semitic. All all these people are Semitic. So technically, even what's going on today in Israel... But the Palestinians and stuff, they are all Semitic. If you take them back far enough, they're all brothers and sisters. But they're politically separated. So all these people are Semites from the descendants of Shem. Um, Okay. Chapter 25, verse... 12 to 14. Now again, this is going to be judgment on Edom. There's a little bit here, but when you go to Obadiah, you're going to get more. You're going, I think you're going to get some of it in, in um, uh, Amos. We'll talk a little bit about it. So some of the other prophets will, will bring it up. But for Ezekiel, the context of Ezekiel, this is where it is right here. Verse 25, chapter 12. Thus says the Lord God, again, Lord God. Because Edom has acted against the house of Judah by taking vengeance and has incurred grievous guilt, avenge themselves upon them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom and cut off man and beast from it. And I will lay it waste from Taman even to uh, Hadidan and they will fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel. Therefore they will act in Edom's according to my anger and according to my wrath. Thus they will know my vengeance, declares the Lord God. So what's the context? Why are they being judged?
1: Because
0: they acted against the house. Yes. there's uh, In their history they attacked Israel several times. And what's not said here, but if you're students of the Bible, that when you know that back during Moses' time, uh, African continents down here, top of Egypt, and so when they came, the Red Sea was parted, and they came over here, part of the problem was that they were going to go straight up here. But the reason they didn't and the reason they came around this way is because Edom attacked them. This is what they're being judged for. They have a straight line. because, Again, if you look at it on a map, you would say, why in the world would they come all the way down here and go all the way up over here and then enter through Jericho when it was basically a straight line going up at a lot less miles? There's no roads and stuff over here. This was all desert. It's because these people blocked them. And they attacked them. Remember, these people were not military. They were people that left with nothing except for the few earrings and jewelry and stuff they had. I mean, they, they didn't even take bread with them, right? They left in such a hurry. So they, they didn't have weapons to defend themselves with. God protected them. But the wisdom is that we are going to go around. And then also, part of Moab, when they were coming in here into Jericho, some of the Moabites in here gave them a little bit of grief. But by then, these people had heard the stories of what happened with the parting of the Red Sea and how God protected them. And so they were beginning to see that something's going on here. And so when they saw this huge cloud of dust of two and a half million people coming into jericho knowing they were going to come into this way these people here knew the gate was up something was going on beyond their control and it, was, it was god god was doing that and again so that the nations around you will know that i am the lord thy god where do the people from edom come from who's their father Give you a hint. Edom means red. Mm. Oh.
1: Esau. Huh? Esau. Esau. Esau.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's where where he you know he traded his birthright for a, for a cup a couple lentil soup or whatever it was, and uh, uh, he ended up going out here, and uh, instead of living over here, he lived over here and started spreading out there. But again. Uh, there was animosity because again, you know, he's he's banished from here. He's got a bad attitude, right? So, so what do you think he's gonna he's gonna breed? Bad attitude, and so that's even So, uh, so again, you know, this is this is uh, going back to the founding of the, the nation. That's where they're from. So, you know, they should have again to to um, to Orly's point. You know, he could have repented. He could have said, I've, I was wrong to do that. Let me come back. I don't have to come back as as in your position, but I'll come back and serve God. He could have done that, but he chose not to. So that's that's the, the hard part about bitterness. You know, when people get bitter about stuff, it doesn't allow them to, to repent, doesn't allow them to think through all that stuff. You know, and so... Uh, again, uh, when we read Obadiah, the, the, the story is in there a little, bit, a little bit more detail on what's going on there. Dots, questions?
1: Yeah. Uh, on verse 12, where it says, Edom has acted against the house of Judah by taking revenge. What were they taking revenge for?
0: Well, he was once gonna be the heir of everything. Mm-hmm. And so like I say, he's he's got a bad attitude about being out of here mm-hmm. and so these people know the stories and stuff and they say, well we were supposed to have that and now you think you're gonna go up there? Mm-hmm. No, you're not gonna do that. We're gonna do that. Mm-hmm. See, they couldn't do it and so you think they were gonna let somebody else do it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Petty. Very petty very petty. Any, any other questions? Okay now we're going to deal with Philistia, which is right here. they live kind of down in this area in the Gaza area. There's a fishing community for the most part. They were fishing and commerce trade. Anytime you live on the sea, your your, your income is going to be trade. It's going to be buying and selling of goods and stuff like that. Out here, you got to scratch out a living. Over here, it's trade and commerce along the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, by the way, Chase a rabbit. all these Arab countries that surround Israel, right? All of them have been at war with them uh, since '48. You had the 48 war, you had the war in 56, you had the war in 67, you had the war in 72, you had the war in, uh, in the 80s, you had that stuff that's going on now and all that. What is it about this little chunk of land that, in, and these now are Saudi Arabian communities because this is Saudi Arabia now, right? In in, in uh, they're very wealthy countries. What is it that's so important that they want to get rid of Israel oil? well Saudi Arabia has oil too. but you' you're, you're you're very you're fertile. fertile
1: huh it's, it's yeah. very fertile it's, it's very fertile amazing how much <clears throat> crops and everything they grow and it's, it's, it's it's that but juicys juicy's
0: got most of it it's oil but what happens if you produce oil? What happens after you produce oil? You port. <laughs> this is the only warm water port in the area <laughs> that would work sixty-five days, three hundred sixty-five days out of the year. That's why they they want to use this. Is their pipelines and all that stuff for all that shipping? This stands in the way. It's got to come through Israel, mm-hmm. and they got to pay tariff and they got all that other stuff. You see, once you start going up in here, it snows, and the weather's bad. You go down here, it's too hot, they got problems. But here, all their stuff, all their oil and stuff is, is right in here. It's a straight straight line. That's part of it. Besides, you know, the devil, that's another story. But that's, that's just, economically, Israel's in the way of them. If they get rid of them, they could make even more money, Right? Okay. Oh,
1: that's sweet. Yeah. Since you mentioned oil, um, are they? Is the Bible talking about the gas or olive oil? Because I heard. Olive
0: oil. Olive, olive oil, olive oil. Yes, yeah, not talking about um, mm-hmm. prehistoric oil. Mm-hmm. No, it's talking about an oil for ointing is olive oil. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what they produced in that area. It was very fertile, and cashews and all that good stuff come from that area. But yeah, it, it produces very well. But the oil is is uh, olive oil. Yeah, f- from that area. Uh, you really don't discover, and this is what's, what's interesting, you don't really discover oil here until the late 1800s. So when God's talking about this is going to be the center of what's going on, you know, this, is, this was a dust bowl. I mean, even in the 1800s, it was a dust bowl. It wasn't until the Israelis started coming back and buying the land and started doing crops, then began to produce again. But for 2,000 years, um, nothing was going on there. And then they discovered the oil. But even when they discovered the oil, uh, you didn't have all the cars and the manufacturing and stuff the way you did. So it wasn't anything that boomed. But yet the Bible's written so many thousand years before all of this. And that's that's the center of all the all the turmoil right now, and so so when you read about Armageddon and in, in the in the last days and the wars and stuff, you know, coming down here and the plains of the ghetto and all that stuff, I mean, when you when you read about that and the armies, two million men, uh, army coming from the east, uh, that that was nobody could could think of that. Because how are you going to have a 200 million man army when there wasn't even 200 million people on the planet? Mm-hmm. But about 20 years ago, China was able to finally put together 200 million man army. From where? The east of this. Mm-hmm. Coming in here. You've got Russia coming down in here. The ghetto is in there. That's where all that happens. We'll get into that with the Valley of the Dry Bones and stuff in a couple of weeks, week or two with that. So, but I mean, if you're reading end-time events in, say, 150 years ago or 100 years ago, you're looking at it and you're going, no. No, that's mm-hmm. just a bunch of dust and dirt. Who's going to care about that? And then all of a sudden, all that oil, all that stuff's going on there. And, and now now, where's the balance of wealth? Um, Yeah, it's crazy. Any other? Chapter 25, verse 15 and 17. This is Philistia. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines have acted in revenge and have taken vengeance and scorn of soul to destroy with everlasting enmity, therefore... Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will stretch out my hand against the Ph- Philistines, even cut off the Cheshireites. These are people from Crete, by the way, They had, which was an island. They lived there. Um, this is actually uh, people from Crete. And destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes, and they will know that I am the Lord thy God when I lay my vengeance upon them. Again, they cost the Israelites a lot, of, a lot of grief in this area, in, in here. They did attacks, they did different things and, and stuff uh, over the years. And so that's the judgment that's coming on there. And uh, the book of Amos tells a story. So if you read Amos, you'll get more detail but the detail you're going to get is why God's pouring his wrath out on them because of what they did. So, Amos uh, goes along with that particular passage. So, the context, again, is judgment for what they did against the Israelites. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain the next two. Not splain, I'm going to explain. I, think I said splain, I'm going to explain. <laughs> From Ezekiel chapter 26 to 28, it's judgment on Tyre. And, and this is in Sidon, this is up here. Another port city. Up here, trade and commerce. And what you find out when you read those passages is they were happy to see Israel go because they wanted to come down and now establish commerce down here. They wanted to take over, and, and they wanted their, their trade routes, because there were was, was several trade routes to come through here and leading down to Egypt. And so they wanted to take that over, and so these were commercial people. And so they were, they were looking at, at, in a sense of warfare, uh, or an opportunity to now to come and take this land and, and, and build their empire. So this is Lebanon, and uh, uh, so let me read something from this, let's see, but this is what's going to happen, and you know, it talks about, you know, all the things that they did, but in chapter 28, verse 25, God says this, 28, 25, Thus says the Lord God, When I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered, and shall manifest my holiness on them in the sight of the nations, then they will live in their land which I gave to my servant Jacob. And they will live in it securely, and they will build houses, plant vineyards, live securely, when I execute judgments upon all who scorn them around about them, then they will know that I am the Lord their God. So he says, you know, these people that laughed at you, these people that wanted to take over your land, well, I'm judging them for that because I am judging them and they will know that I'm still here. I'm still operating here. I'm still protecting this land. And notice, he doesn't say when they return from Babylon. He says when they return from the nations from where I have scattered them. Now, from 70 A.D., when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, the Jews were scattered and dispersed throughout the world. So, for two thousand years, they did not have the homeland. And then, but he says, "But I will bring them back." So, May fifteenth, nineteen forty-eight, they established the nation again, and we're, and we're, we're, we're benefactors of that. We see that—that's our our our. our uh, uh, going on in our lifetimes or right before our our, our lifetimes. So, uh, you know, when God says something, God means it. But, you know, we we have a time frame and God has a time frame. And usually the two don't work unless we're following God. Because, you know, we want it like fast food. We want it now where God's preparing a banquet you know I, I've had fast food and I've had a banquet I'll hold out for the banquet <laughs> right? right I know Raymond is thinking of northwoods and I know you are Raymond <laughs> anyway uh, and so that's basically what's going on in chapter 26 to 28 then chapter 29 to, to chapter 32. There's judgment on Egypt, which is down here. For the things that the Egyptians did going back to the days of Moses. So, you know when you read in say Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and God says, You know, I I will I will repay them for what they have done. I will repay repay them for the rebellion. I will repay them for not listening. God means that. And so now here it's... What? Five, six hundred years later. Repayment time. So, they've had five, six hundred years to get their act together and follow God if they want, if they really wanted to. But the problem with the Egyptians were, was the same problem the Romans had is Pharaoh and Caesar both saw themselves as gods. So that's why, see, the story of Moses isn't Moses and Pharaoh. It's Pharaoh and God. Moses is just, he's just a delivery boy. He's, he's just delivering the message. God's the one that's doing all the action. And Pharaoh, his heart is hardened, not at Moses, his heart is hardened at Moses' God, Yahweh, is the, the Old Testament name And so there's and this is what's interesting on this. It says when you read it, Egypt's gonna be judged, but it's gonna be judged by Babylon, which is over here. Now, there is no historical evidence to this date that any nation that lived in, in in Babylon Has done anything towards Egyptians. So that leads us to conclude what? It's coming. It's coming. And who, what country controls Babylon today? It's Iraq. Huh? Iraq. Yeah. Iraq, and then above it is Mm Iran. And you know they're, they're, they're becoming more of one. And you know you had Saddam Hussein doing all of his stuff over there. He wanted to take through all, all of that stuff, so you could say, okay, maybe he's going to be one that's going to do it. But end time events and stuff is going to be talking about all these nations moving and, and, and doing things. So uh, that's something very. If you, if you're if you really like end time events and that you deal. People look at those things and they see what's going on politically there because they realize something has to happen over there and uh, uh, for this to happen and then you know why why is Iran so dead set on having nuclear weapons? You know, they're dead set on it. And so uh, you make a peace treaty with these people that are over here who haven't recovered uh, since you know, Saddam Hussein, not that they have been so great under him. But you can see an alliance developing there and maybe that will happen because it does say in Revelation I believe it's Daniel, it also talks about the Babylon of old will return. So you can say, okay, is that metaphor for someone who wants to control the world, which is what the Babylonians wanted to do in Nebuchadnezzar, or is that really saying that that area is going to flourish again and they're going to try and do that. Two ways of looking at that till it comes down the pike. So that's what's going on from twenty six to to thirty two. It's just basically talking about the judgments because you you did this, you did that. So you know it's, it can be tedious reading at times, but that in a nutshell is is what it is. So thoughts, questions?
1: Yeah. Was this before or after Solomon?
0: After. There. Okay. After um, Solomon was right before. and This is interesting about Solomon. Solomon Solomon is referred to as what in the Bible? The wisest wise. man. The wisest. Mm-hmm. We have stories about that. Okay, but his sons, mm-hmm. as soon as he dies, what do they do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Civil war. Civil war. They brought civil war. So under David and then Solomon, this was a United Kingdom. As soon as Solomon dies, it becomes the northern and southern kingdom. If he was so wise, why didn't he get his kids, you know, and there was jealousy, there was fight, because you know he had wives and he had kids all over the place. And so, you know, there was this, all this rebellion stuff going on. So for four hundred and fifty some years, you had a divided kingdom before you get to this. This all happens at the end of the divided kingdom. So yeah, Solomon is before all of this, and so when you get to when you get to the the prophets, uh, the latter prophets, they're more speaking towards the end of the life of Israel and the end of the life of Judah because at that point God's getting ready to bring judgment for the hundreds of years where they haven't obeyed God. And during that time, when they've had all these different kings, I can't remember how many kings there were, 30-some different kings or more. Probably only about six of them were actually any good. Mm -hmm. And then they were only good for a for a short amount of time because then they died off and then the people went right back and civil war continued. So that's why you had the divided kingdom and so when they come back during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, they come back to this part of the land only and reestablish it down here and eventually they come up but uh, uh, they don't really have until our lifetime all of this land back. And what's interesting about um, this the war in 72 <laughs> they pushed the egyptians and all these people they pushed them all the way back through all this desert land all the way to egypt and they mm-hmm. basically captured all of this land and as soon as there was a ceasefire what did they do they gave the land back because they said that land wasn't given to us but you see you don't hear that
1: mm-hmm.
0: You hear about, oh, you're on our land, you stole our land, and yada, yada, yada. And, uh, remind me, somebody, to... I can't think of the, the scripture. It might be Psalm 38, but don't look. They come against Israel at one time. And, there, and, and all these nations, all these... all these. If you know anything about Arabs, Arabs can't agree on anything. <laughs> they, they cannot agree. I mean, it's just, they cannot agree. Only one time in history did they ever agree to anything and that was uh, uh, in 67 when they decided they were going to attack Israel uh, on, on, on the holy day and you know they call it, they call it the six day war but it was basically over in six hours Israel beat them so bad and they recaptured Jerusalem uh, you know but uh, uh, Psalms talks about it and it names all these nations not by these names and names by their old names And so when you read it, you don't realize it's all these nations, but it's all the nations that came against Israel in the Six Day War in 67. So, thoughts, questions? Yeah, but. Huh? Solomon was also a friend
1: of. uh, That's why I asked if it was before or after. Because Solomon used to be a friend of the king of Tyre.
0: Yes. Yes, and Solomon also with the Egyptians down there, because that's where the Queen of Sheba was from, and the other nations. Is, and that was the wisdom of Solomon: was if you are going to prosper and you are going to have wealth, and you, you you make peace with those around you, and and those around them realized, oh, he was strong; he had he had the force that, that you know he could have come against all of them. But yeah, yeah, to your point, he, he made treaties with all these different people, and so as soon as this come, his sons came in because they thought they were bigger and better than, than dad. And that generally is not the case. Especially in my house. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a, good, a very good point. So, Any other questions, thoughts? So next week, I want to pick up and go and spend a few weeks on this, the restoration part of Israel. And this is when we get into the valley of the dry bones and all that stuff. And we get into some end time stuff. So we're going to walk through all that. Okay? So, that's where we'll be next week. chapter Starting in chapter 33, restoration of Israel. So we'll spend a couple of weeks doing that, at least. And we'll get through. So, Ezekiel making sense a little bit here? Yeah. It's just, it's just a book of judgment. And it's on particular people for a particular reason. And people are off the land, but they're going to be coming back to the land. And that's basically the story of Ezekiel, per God's plan. Mm-hmm. So, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, again, for opening our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our heart to receive what you have for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, again, for the scriptures, we Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to the scriptures and our ears and our heart to receive. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we leave the sanctuary, but not your presence, you continue to strengthen us and guide us and watch over us, take care of us, Lord. We speak a word of healing for Pastor Gigi, Lord, and others in our congregation that are going through anything, Lord. Uh, We just thank you for that, Lord, and we just thank you that you help us get back to uh, evangelizing our communities, Lord, and uh, spreading the gospel, the good news in our communities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.